Welcome to the Real Birth Podcast, the show where real parents share real birth stories and get really honest about how it went. You might be a first-time expectant parent, or on your eighth baby. Perhaps you're a birth worker, or maybe you just love learning about birth. Whoever you are, you are welcome here. This podcast aims to educate and empower listeners through the real stories of mums and dads. I'm Lucy Hill. I'm a doula, a mum of a toddler, and a complete birth nerd. Join me as I invite all kinds of parents to share their stories of pregnancy, birth, and beyond. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to episode nine of the Real Birth Podcast. I can't believe it, but we're almost at the end of season one. Next week's episode will be the final episode of this season before we take a short break. Huge thank you to everyone who has listened and supported me. It's been absolutely amazing to see the numbers growing and growing and to learn that people are listening all over the world. This week I chatted to Lisa, who struggled with anxiety throughout her pregnancy, which led to her carefully considered decision to have an elective caesarean birth with her son. However, the journey to getting her surgery approved was not an easy one, and the night before her C-section, her baby had some other ideas. Lisa talks openly about pregnancy loss and her breastfeeding struggles, and I know that some of the things she and I discussed in our conversation had never been openly talked about before. I could honestly listen to Lisa talk all day. Thank you for being so open and brave in your reflections. I'll turn the time over to Lisa now. Here is her story. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's absolutely lovely to have you here, especially after all your support and sharing everything online as well. That's amazing. Thank you. I know that you're here to talk about the birth of your son, Jacob, who I believe is just over two and a half. Is that right? Yeah. Before we kind of go into the story of your kind of pregnancy and birth and everything, do you want to just take a moment to tell us about you and your family? Yeah, so I'm a little bit nervous. I'll just start with that. I've never done a podcast before, so thank you so much for having me. <laughs> um, so I'm Lisa. I'm a magazine editor. I, I live in Cardiff with uh, my two-year-old, Jacob, my husband, Alex, and my cat, Beanbag Trevor. I had to get his full <laughs> name in there, obviously. Didn't get Jacob's full name in, but I had to get my cat's. <laughs> so how did the journey to becoming pregnant um, go for you? Was that a conscious decision that you'd made to have a baby? And how did that journey towards having Jacob go? Yeah so we knew we were ready. My husband's 11 years older so he was he was ready quite a while before me um, and yeah we, we just we knew straight away like going back then to the start when we got pregnant it was like within weeks it was amazing and I just thought oh my god it's meant to be all of that. I'll probably cry on this part sorry but <laughs> um, so I had a miscarriage uh, oh here I go crying already uh, <laughs> with that first baby that came along so quickly I had a miscarriage the day before um, my 12-week scan and, and as you know the 12-week scan is the big one isn't it it's, it's yeah. the one that you can finally start telling people you're pregnant and it's not encouraged to tell them before mm. um, so I was pregnant for three months so excited started um, bleeding at my best friend's Hindu in London uh, which was you know the worst place to have a miscarriage not that there's a, the best place to have a miscarriage but that was just particularly awful everyone was so drunk and you know I was not drunk obviously but mm. um, yeah so my husband came to get me the next morning went to A&E and uh, I was told not to worry, actually, because I was still showing as pregnant on the, the urine tests. And I was told that, you know, bleeding's normal, it's fine, you're okay. And then after hours of waiting, I was um, scanned and, you know, was told I lost it. Mm. But then... I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, but then, weirdly, and I never knew this existed, but um, more hope was given to me on that day because they said they thought I might have fallen pregnant a second time while already pregnant. So oh I didn't know gosh. that. I thought they meant it was twins, but they said, no, it's not twins. It's, you know, you can be pregnant and then get pregnant again. I can't remember what they, they said, what it was called, but it, I don't know. I just forgotten that. Um, but so it was not anomaly that I didn't know existed. And they thought there was another baby in there. I was still showing pregnant on the tests and, um, they said, you know, come back soon. I think it was like a week and we'll test to see if there's another one. So I had mountains of hope, um, but there was, you know, there was nothing there. 
I would have loved to not have been given any false doses of hope, to be honest, because mm. you don't want to think, oh, you know, there's another baby hiding out. Just, you know, have faith, because obviously there ended up not being any. But so I got pregnant again. And I just realized today, actually, because I was thinking about, you know, what to say today. Mm. I, was, I realized that, you know, how I lost my first baby on um, my best friend's hen do. I found out I was pregnant with the next baby at her wedding. <laughs> How random is that? How weird. So I was being sick in the church. And I was like, I am pregnant. <laughs> the next morning I tested and I was. So that that's, you know, it was only a few months later I was pregnant again. So that was, you know, brilliant. But at that point I was, I, I didn't feel joy. I felt terror, like, you know, lose it. So I paid for a six-week scan this time, so I didn't have to wait until what was now the dreaded 12 weeks. Um, and I found out actually it was twins, um, but one, oh, <laughs> crying again. <laughs> one had passed. Um, so the thing with that was, obviously it was so sad that one of them had died, but I was more scared that the, the other one would die. I, I didn't, I wasn't really given much of a thought to, sounds terrible to the one that had passed I was thinking about the one that lived and and would it be able to live in in my body like how can my body hold on to a passed away being for nine months while keeping the other one safe and I thought right well I'm going to lose this one as well I'm scared the entire time and this actually what I'm about to say this leads to why I wanted the elected c-section um I haven't actually said that out loud publicly before um the elected c-section I've, I've lied to a lot of people in my life and said that it was um a doctor advised section when actually it was an elected section and I, I think that I didn't tell anyone because you know the fear of judgment isn't it you, you know people people think oh you know celebrities who pay for cesareans or people who are too posh to push they're the ones who have elected c-sections and there's such negativity around it that maybe um the mums care about more more about themselves than the baby or the judgment that you're putting your baby in harm's way or that even that so many women don't get to experience birth who really want to experience it and you know I would have been lucky enough to have the chance to experience that so why wouldn't I and why would I throw that away so yeah the, the fear of judgment um felt pretty worrying to me um so that's that's kind of why I never told anyone that it was elected mm. um and yeah I've, I've lied to everyone so anyone any of my friends listening to this who didn't realize I'm really sorry that I lied but I was yeah it's just it, it scared me to tell people so going back to that um that it made me feel very out of control that I'd lost one baby I'd lost the twin of you know the, the next set of babies and I, I I really thought that I was going to lose the third one so um I felt out of control major issues with control to be honest I know I was I knew I was helpless to keep the, the third baby alive and that I would have to just let nature do its thing um and I, I, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do anything. And that, that I struggled with that mentally. When I had the first miscarriage, I was diagnosed with depression. And, but I, I didn't want to go on the, the medication for, you know, the fear of it affecting the new baby. Um, and when I was telling my particularly straight-talking GP why I was down, which was obviously because of the miscarriage, she said an awful thing that will stay with me forever, which was... A fish will always jump out of its bowl when the bowl isn't right for it. And that was horrendous because obviously I was, my body was the bowl. So she was saying my body wasn't right for my own baby. Yeah, the analogy there, she's trying to say that there was nothing that could have been done there. Yeah. And that yeah. If, if, if the baby wasn't going to live, the baby wasn't going to live. But that is probably the worst way I've ever heard of trying to convey that yeah she was probably just trying to say you know there's nothing you could have done don't worry about it but in actual fact I thought well my this bowl is never going to be right then no and she's, la she's labeling you know, your body then isn't she and, yeah. and and making you feel like that's a permanent 
thing mm, yeah exactly so that's yeah. that that's what I kept with me um and I won't I won't say who, who but somebody close to me told me they thought I'd lost the last baby because I was a vegetarian and that I didn't give it the nutrients it needed and and, and obviously if that was true yeah again that would have been my fault so it was just lots of I don't know <sighs> I was very, I was in quite a dark place with it felt depressed deeply out of control frantic worried and I wanted more than anything to have the baby. So I spent pretty much my whole pregnancy reading up how to keep it safe rather than read, you know, like normally people would read up on how to care for the baby after it's born and what to feed it and, you know, sleep patterns and things like that. But I read nothing about that, even though I've got control issues, which is weird because, you know, you'd think that I would want to be in control of that. But I spent all my time trying to be in control of keeping it alive. Um, you know, being super strict with what foods I was eating, what activities I was doing, trying not to, you know, let him jump out of the bowl. Um, so when I'd go to a restaurant, for example, I'd ask if the, the eggs were red lion stamped and I'd avoid the tiniest sip of alcohol. I was, I was stupidly strict, you know, decaf mm. tea all the time, washed my fruit and vegetables like six times, overcooked everything. I remember my friend who was pregnant at the same time was like, what the hell, when I wouldn't eat goat's cheese at a party that we were at. And I made, you know, then she felt bad for eating it. Uh, and I was like, no, no, don't worry about it. I'm just extra, extra strict. Um, but she still hates that to this day. Mm. <laughs> um, so did you reach a point in your pregnancy where you felt like things were safe or did that never come for you? It never came, no. I think what happened was a light bulb went off in my mind at the 16 week scan. I was told the placenta was underneath the baby. Was, I think it was a word for that, but I can't remember. And that's when the, the word cesarean was first uttered, you know, by medical staff, not by me. Um, they said that that might be needed if the placenta stays so low. Yeah. But that was a light bulb moment for me then. I thought, yeah, that's what I want. I, I hope it stays. I hope that, that placenta stays where it is because I want this cesarean, like taking back control and having a date, you know, booked in the diary for my baby to be born is like one tiny bit of control that I could hold on to. Mm. Um, and, and everyone can have like a natural birth plan or, or birth preference, as I, I heard you call it the other day, which I liked. But, you know, none of us know when the baby is going to come or you know, it could come while you're in the Isle of Asda and you have to put all your snacks back, like yeah. you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I could be late, could be early, you know, so it's, it's out of your control. Again, control is such a keyword for me. Sorry, I keep using it. But even after that light bulb moment then of secretly wanting that C-section, but, you know, pretending, oh, that's terrible. Um, I didn't tell a soul, n- not even my husband, actually. Sorry, Alex. Um, that I wanted that C-section for, for fear of, you know, just people trying to talk me out of it. So I kept quiet, went back for scans and the placenta was, sadly for me, slowly moving up to where it should have been. Mm. Um, And the more it moved up, then, you know, sort of the more my anxiety went up as well. Um, I realised then at that point, a medically advised C-section wasn't going to happen. And I kind of spiralled at that point and just went from feeling, you know, I had the tiniest chance of being able to control it and uh, slipped away. Um, and that's that's the, mo- the moment I first inquired about a, a C-section for myself and whether that would be possible. I was told absolutely no, it's not something NHS offers, C-sections are for emergencies only. So that was hard to hear. Yeah. So had you at this point, had you talked to your husband about what you that moment where you'd realized this is what I want? Um, or had you asked about that kind of still on yeah. your own? Um, I think I told him quite like later on as as the placenta was moving, I was getting more and more gutted about it. And he said, you know, is that something you want then? And I did end up telling him, you know, everything then. But yeah, so when I was going on to, I think it was about um, 30 weeks pregnant. It, my mind just like, I can't keep hold of all the dates at all. But I went to another routine appointment and I was told um, that I was considered, to, uh, and, and to be honest with you, I snapped on hearing this. Um, so it's going to be hard for me to say it, but I was told that Jay was measuring around about 10 pounds at 30 weeks. So he was only going to grow and, you know, there's a month, how, how many, nine, nine weeks 
10, mm. 10 weeks left for him to grow. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have a one stone baby. <laughs> I'm going to have to push him out naturally. They're not going to let me have the C-section. So yeah, again, I was just like getting into a darker and darker place with it all the time. And at that point I was physically in so much pain as well because I had SPD yeah. where all your bones like loosening for birth and um, my, my hip bones were grinding on each other it was pretty unbearable I was on crutches and my, and my husband had to carry me to, to bed every night and roll me over because I'd, I'd wake him up like 20 times in the night to roll me over but so the thought of being in birthing positions when I couldn't even open my legs or walk or sit up myself was like pretty unfathomable to me Mm. how am I gonna do any sort of birthing position like it was yeah so um I was weighing on me and I was in severe pain and at that point they told me they were gonna have to use a lot of um uh, device they they told me they could need to use um, devices and tools to get him out because he was so big I thought oh my god like why won't you do the operation on me then if you're gonna have to sort of you know, get all these tools out why not just get a little knife and get me open that's terrible to say but I thought well what's the difference um and yeah so they told me in the end it, it might be an emergency c-section anyway and this is when I was around 30 weeks so I said well why can't I just book it in then why can't I have an elected c-section I don't understand why would you do an emergency one but not a, a planned one what's going on but again I was told no I was told that you know women are built to give birth the doctors are brilliant and all of that um, and then after that, it was a phone call that changed everything um, because my my friend was really close mates with the head midwife at the hospital I was at. So she gave me her personal number so I could ask for advice uh, on the down low. And, and she knew I'd be ringing and, you know, she, she had this advice for me, which was you cannot be denied an elected C-section. If you ask, you will not be denied. And I just thought, wow, uh, you know, that's changed everything mentally for me. I thought I was going to have to beg and plead. But now I realised, oh, okay, I'm armed with this new, confident, all positive mindset. And I immediately booked a meeting with the doctor to talk it through. Um, The doctor, I think I've, I've probably got a warped sense of doctors because I thought this one was horrendous as well. The same as the fish out of the bowl doctor. But I think it was just my mindset at the time was so dark. Mm-hmm. that I hated everyone that was telling me no or telling me bad things so poor doctor he might have been lovely but in my opinion at the time he was unprofessional as hell and kept using um, non-medical terms just what I thought was scare me out of not of having a c-section that's how it felt at the time so he used words I remember him using the word slashed he said the baby's face might be slashed who uses the word slashed if you're a doctor he said we could both die on the table he knew uh, we could both have terrible infections. I might lose bladder control forever. And uh, this is a quote, we miss up in public. And I just thought, why, why are you saying? Like, they're not medically necessary terms, are they? It's so interesting because um, I have heard almost the opposite story um, oh. from, from people who are desperate for a natural birth. Oh. And a doctor is giving them all of the risks of that, you know, in this very aggressive way and saying oh mm. c-section's much safer you know so it's almost like the agenda whichever way it is for some professionals yeah can be so aggressive with taking out those risks mm. and and not highlighting the risks of anything else you know so for you the risk to your emotional and mental well-being um but as well if if you were concerned about you know the size of your baby and that's a legitimate fear for you why isn't he talking about those risks as well yeah true and don't get me wrong I wanted to know all the risks because as you know I'm a control freak (laughs) I wanted all the information so I wanted him to tell me but he was giving it in such a weird way I just thought what's going on Mm. his advice instead was actually that I had an induction at 37 weeks to stop the baby from growing which felt wrong I felt like well I don't want to I don't want to do that I don't want to stifle anything but I, I, I did almost cave and have the induction at 37 weeks. But then I thought, no, no, remain strong. And the whole time we were talking, he had this little piece of paper in his hands. And little did I know that that was the actual C-section consent form, which he'd just been dangling in front of my face while, while trying to talk me out of it. And if I had caved, he'd have just put that in a drawer and I would have been none the wiser. 
that you know how close I was to getting something I I really wanted. Um, he gave the paper to me in like almost a half, and the date was set. That was it. You know, thirty nine weeks. Date was set, and I was landed. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I was landed. So did you um, feel like you could relax a little bit from that point onwards? Yeah. And did oh, you God, did totally. you start to enjoy your pregnancy a tiny bit? Uh, mm, tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if the heartburn and sickness and SPD wasn't there, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was definitely a much calmer scenario to be in. Like to have that one thing, and I knew what was going to happen. Well, you can't you can't know for certain what's going to happen, but I felt like I knew what was going to happen. It's just going to be plain sailing. Go and have the operation, and then have your baby. Well, you know, end of. However, tell us about the day that Jacob was born. Yeah, so we so I had the bags packed the night before, before going to the hospital and I was feeling really calm and relaxed. Went to bed nice and early um, and then, I, but I couldn't sleep. And I thought, you know, that's just you know, nerves and I, whatever it is, kind of excitement maybe, um, but I really didn't feel right. And then, so I couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep. And then 3.45 a.m. came and the waters broke. <laughs> in bed and I thought oh shit I need my c-section the baby's gonna come out naturally <laughs> I can't open my legs even an inch without feeling they were gonna you know break at the hips what am I gonna do uh so we, we rushed to the hospital I was like Alex come on um he was like no I'm just gonna grab a shower um absolutely no you're not get in the car <laughs> so we went to the hospital and they were still encouraging me to do it naturally after all that fuss to get a c-section put in um, and the doctor wasn't able to see me until about 6 a.m. Um, by the time, so that was like two hours after my waters had broken. And she said it was too late to have the C-section because I was so far gone. Oh my gosh. I so, women, you know, so were, were you having, con- you were having contractions at this point, were yeah. you? Or yeah, yeah okay. Contractions, yeah. Um, and I remember saying, oh, please, want another opinion. Can someone else come and see me? But she came back and she said, right, I can do the C-section another way as he's so low, but I, I still don't know what that means, to be honest, what she meant by another way. But she said, right, I will do it. I just go do it in a, in a certain way. And I had then what was classed as an emergency C-section at 7 a.m. instead of an elected C-section at 11 a.m. So to be honest with you, going back, I didn't lie. I didn't lie to my friends about uh, <laughs> having an elected C-section because it was an emergency one in the end. But, you know, it, that was just um, a weird fluke that they, they had to... Um, call it that because it wasn't at 11 a.m so mm. it wasn't really an emergency one it was still my choice um they had to class it as that that must have been really strange for you having made that decision knowing that that was the way that he was going to be born but not mm. necessarily factoring in labor yeah. so how did how did that how did you feel about that knowing that there must have been a moment of realization where you realize that you know regardless of how he came out in the end you were going to have to mentally and physically kind of process labor for a bit and I assume you hadn't done any prep for that so how how did how was your experience of being in labor and do you feel like are you glad that you experienced it or are you still kind of (laughs) how do how do you feel about it it's the weirdest thing because you know as I said through this entire thing I I didn't want to give birth I was terrified of it however I was kind of landed that I got to experience what contractions feel like and you know I could um it's, it's weird to say but when the waters broke I could kind of see his form in my tummy it wasn't like a round tummy anymore it was like like you kind of can see the shape of him I thought oh my god wow I've never have experienced any of that seen any of it or been able to relate to women who've had contractions you know who say it's the worst pain ever some my friend actually says it's worse than the pain of birth I wouldn't know but I, I was kind of loving it <laughs> even though I was swearing a lot and hated it as well of course um <laughs> Yeah, but I was so happy that I got to experience that. But I was only happy after she said, yes, we'll go ahead with your C-section. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I can just, uh, I can lap this bit up now and but still know that I can have my C-section. So that was kind of a really nice feeling in the end. Yeah. Without... A bit of drama, didn't hurt. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> got the experience though without having to, without the fear of the unknown 
ahead of yeah, you. Exactly that. Yeah. So they agreed to do your C-section um, after a bit of hoo-ha. That's great. That's good. So what happened then? Did you did you have to wait so, very long or was it quite quick? No, I was I was straight in then. Um, so 3.45 went to the hospital. So it was probably like three hours later. I was on the table. It felt like it took a minute. It probably didn't, but that's what it felt like to me. It was over they pulled him out and um, they said to Alex do you want to take a quick picture and we were like oh okay and that's the best picture I've ever seen in my life yeah Um, but they when they pulled so right so you know how much I wanted this baby you know like how much I was trying to keep him safe this weird thing happened that when they pulled him out of me and I looked at him I remember thinking put him back in I was immediately terrified of motherhood. I don't know what snapped in me because I, I was so, I was so happy to be pregnant and, and I was so looking forward to having that baby in my arms. And I thought it was going to be this rush of love, all of that, but I didn't want him. I wanted to put him back in, in that moment and let him have another few weeks and, and then I would do it again and, and feel ready. I had kept him safe for nine months and did loads of research how to keep him alive inside my body. But realised in that moment, I'd, I had done zero research on what to do once he'd arrived, not even the basics. And I, I'd been so caught up in that fear and determination to be in control that I was now back out of control immediately. Mm. Oh, and he only ended up being £7.5. After was, all that, of that, that was going to be my next question. Um, was did he end up being the giant that they <laughs> told you? He would be? Well, they said that they were measuring because they were measuring his thigh bone. I think it was they were assuming that all the rest of him would measure up, but he just ended up having these really long frog legs, right. and that's why they were. You know, they'd assumed that he was going to be big. I suppose at the end of it all, his size maybe was on your side. For- when you were making your case for wanting that true, yeah. um yeah. procedure so it probably worked in your favor a little bit that they were mm. out with that measurement but yeah those scans they i mean even in the kind of official um guidelines of growth scans and things they're documented to have a, a i think it's a 15 percent margin of error oh, okay and 15 percent is quite a lot when you're dealing with like a teeny tiny little yeah. thing you know millimeters um yeah. versus you know bigger measurements so actually I yeah I I've only met a couple of people whose babies have been accurately measured I've met lots oh who God. haven't <laughs> um so it's not an exact science but yeah. yeah do you know something really funny though looking back at my whole pregnancy I just um that bloody control I, that's what I wanted to hold on to but the stupidly and uh, hilariously ironic thing <laughs> once he was out the spinal tap wasn't wearing off. Um, it was doing the opposite and numbing the rest of my body mm. all the way up to my neck. So this this man kept coming in saying, right, can you feel your toes yet? I was like, no, but now I can't feel my arms either. And then he came back 10 minutes later, can you feel your toes yet? It's like, no, and now I can't feel my neck. So I was literally just this floating head <sighs> out of control. All I wanted was that control and I was just a floating head. Like how dare that medication? <laughs> oh God. It is. And I thought, sorry, Jacob, you know, this is me. You just got a floating head for, mother for the rest of your life. That's it. In my head, I was just paralyzed, you know, um, but I was back to normal after a few hours, thank God. It's a very strange feeling when that wears off, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know if you had that, but um, I was so itchy. My skin oh, yeah. was just, and I was like, it was like I looked down and I had all these scratch marks all over my legs and I didn't know how they'd got there. And then Mike was like, no, you were the one that was scratching because it was obviously wearing off and I couldn't quite feel it, but I could. And yeah, it's yeah. really, yeah, oh, it's weird. That's, yeah, that's a bit terrifying. Yeah. So I assume... Um, Alex had a baby while you got your floating head sorted and then how was how was your recovery how long were you in hospital oh god I wanted to go home as soon as we could um I think we went home we stayed the night and then went home the next morning I think it was I remember having to wait because the um the doctor didn't have the papers ready you have to like sign out and Mm. so they um they kept on losing them for some reason so I think we were supposed to go home in the morning and then have to wait until the night 
which I was annoyed about, but you know, it's in in the grand scheme of things, I can't even remember. So it it, it was fine yeah. in the end. But I, I I didn't have you know those feelings that they hadn't kicked in the feelings of love they yeah. hadn't kicked in yet. I was yeah. still just a bit scared and didn't know what I was going to do. It's um, a huge shock, especially when it hadn't quite gone the way that you had carefully planned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember um, because I didn't know this. This is the the biggest regret I have probably in my life, which is um, I actually told this to my friend the other day for the first time um, telling anyone. And we were on a road trip in, uh, for like three hours in the car. And um, I told her and I literally it, it just felt so cathartic to get it off my chest. Um, but, and I thought it would be easy telling you today because I'd got it off my chest, but clearly I'm already crying. Um, so, because I hadn't read up on how much to feed the baby. Um, and especially if you're breastfeeding, you're not going to know how much you're feeding them anyway. So, but I hadn't read up on anything about feeding. And I, I'd only been to one class as well, uh, which thankfully included breastfeeding in that class but um I didn't I didn't know enough about it um and I was trying to feed breastfeed and he wouldn't latch because I was tensed up so much that's, that's what the midwife was saying that you know you're you're sort of screaming when he's on you and you're tensing up I wasn't screaming but you know I was making unpleasant noises I guess because of the pain and she said oh you know he can sense that and that's why he doesn't want to latch um so I was trying to be calm and collected, but um, I was finding it, you know, really difficult. He wouldn't latch. He was finding it difficult. And I thought, right, what do I do from here? Because I don't want to go straight onto formula. I want to try. Um, so the midwife basically, this is gross, but she started milking me. <laughs> you know how they do with the little colostrum tubes. Yeah. And they collect it for you in a little tube and then give it to the baby. And I thought, oh, you know, that, that's fine. At least he, he's got that, that good stuff. So the way she was explaining it to me was, right, so the baby's tummy, his stomach, is, is no bigger than a marble. And then you've got this tube of colostrum, which we've just collected. And she said to me, she touched my shoulder and she said, this is the most I've ever seen a woman produce. And I've been in mid- midwifery for X amount of years. And this is the most I've ever seen someone produce. So I was feeling super bloody proud of myself for, you know, having produced one tube, which is only one mil of colostrum and I thought yay you know he he's got his nutrients now because one mil surely would be enough to fill a marble in my mind I was thinking you know those two measurements seem to fit one marble one mil perfect but then um the hard bit to explain is that hard for me to emotionally explain I mean is that I assumed that would be enough going forwards as well um so because I couldn't breastfeed very well when we went home I was um getting out the millimeter syringe um I was getting that out um collecting the colostrum and feeding him that one mil and then you know thinking that was fine and that was his feed whereas I should have been giving him around 30 mils per feed. If I was giving him, you know, formula, it would have been 30 mils per feed, but I was giving him one mil per feed. And that to this day and probably forever will kill me because I was unknowingly starving him. And he lost so much weight. I remember um, his little knees were bigger than his thighs. And I did that to him accidentally. Um, so yeah, my biggest piece of advice to anyone listening would be to read up about feeding just in case you can't breastfeed and just to know what to do. Because the midwife didn't tell me that wasn't enough. She told me, wow, I've never seen that much. So in my mind, I'm giving him more than he needed, you know, Um and I was wondering, why is he such a screamy baby? Why doesn't he ever stop crying? Like day or night, just screaming, screaming. And it was because he was withering away. And that, yeah, that absolutely kills me. Um, and then 
in, in my mind as well, that lasted months, but Alex reassured me the other day and said, it was five days, Lise. It was five days before we went to um, a midwife to see what was going on. Um, I think they actually asked us to come in because the midwife couldn't believe how much weight he'd lost. Um, and that was the day he tried formula for the first time and gulped like 30 mils straight away. And I thought, oh my God, I've been giving you one mil. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, but Alex keeps saying, get over it. Don't worry, not get over it, but let yourself, like, just forgive yourself. Don't worry, you didn't know what you were doing. But that was the hardest part of the entire thing. And that I'll never let, be able to let go. And was he formula fed from that point then? Were you kind of happy to... Um, I bought um, an ex- express um, machine. Yeah. So it was like a half and half thing. And every day I would try him on the boob as well, just to, you know, see if we could do it. And yeah, we, we did do it, do it um, for a couple of months, you know, on and off. Um, then I got mastitis, I think it's called. Um, and your boobs are so painful that mm-hmm. you, you can't, you can't do it. And this is weird as well. Things you you would only know if um, you've been through them, I guess. But I didn't realize that mastitis causes the milk to go salty. So he didn't even want to drink it when I was expressing it for him for hours at a time. I was like, no, why isn't he drinking it? And then I realized I tasted it and I was just like, oh, that's why. So uh, yeah, he went on formula for a little while then and got used to the bottle and, and didn't want the boob anymore. Mm. But yeah, I was I was quite happy that, you know, I didn't mind what he was drinking as long as he drank it. I mean, obviously, it's just like not my place to say, of course. Um, but I just want to say that firstly, that is it's not your fault. Oh, thank you. And also how how much I wish that you had received the support that you deserved. Yeah, the thing is though, with that, like I, I think that as well. Um, but I totally realize that I, I I didn't know what I didn't know so I wasn't asking any questions she didn't know she couldn't see into my mind to th- mm. that, that I was thinking oh yeah I'm doing so well with one mil she didn't know I was thinking that so how could she correct me mm. but yeah I, I think because because they thought that I was going to be on this breastfeeding journey and maybe you know do the syringe now and again that he would be getting enough because he'd be on the boob and you know taking as much as he needed but it turned out that that wasn't working. So I was just doing the syringes, but she wouldn't have known that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so she couldn't give me the right advice, not knowing what I was going to do with yeah. it. You know? Yeah. I guess I just, it would be so lovely if if people got, you know, more than that one conversation, you know, to oh, actually, yeah. to make sure that you did feel confident and that, mm-hmm. you know, that you knew you could, I don't know, that there were all sorts of different ways to do things and, and yeah, give you a, yeah. just a more, I mean, of course, like people, if you haven't had a baby, why would you know? Why? Yeah. How would you possibly know? Unless you had really delved into it, which mm. some people do and some people don't. And we can't expect everyone to be, yeah, you know, reading 20 books, you know? So I think that's really good advice to, to anyone is just to know a little bit about feeding just because you know it doesn't matter whether you can can't want to don't want to when it comes to breastfeeding but yeah just knowing a little bit is is never gonna hurt but yeah yeah I mean I think honestly my mind must be warped from all of the, the things that I, you know, about the doctors and about what, what actually happened. I, I do not actually know if I'm giving you correct information or if I am making it up because I, I know what I think I know, mm. but my husband keeps on going, Lise, no, that, you're exaggerating or that didn't happen like that. It happened like this. And it brings me back, it centers me. And I think, oh, right, okay. Because I thought that he, Jacob was losing weight for weeks and actually it was days. And I thought, right, okay, that, that makes me feel so much better. But without him there as the objective, you know, opinion, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten through mm. as well as I did. So, yeah. Five days in newborn land is at least six months of normal time. I think yeah. it is so Same. long. Um, also, I'm blend into one another. Exactly. So I'm not surprised you felt it was forever. I mean, I, yeah. I totally 
know that feeling of feeling like it's been weeks and weeks and it definitely hasn't yeah. um <laughs> something I, I was gonna uh, well something I'm kind of asking everyone is about whether you feel like your birth has taught you something in your life or 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 changed you in any way um and specifically kind of the the birth that you had I feel like my anger fuse is a is like the tiniest little thing now anything can set me off so mentally I yeah I've, I've changed in that regard um not I wouldn't be angry with Jay I would just sort of take myself to another room and you know punch a pillow or something but yeah I've noticed my my anger fuse is the tiniest little thing now um but my positive would be um that I since having him I feel a lot more confident um I think as as I said with the c-section before um I, I was always caught up in what other people would think of me that was like such a huge deal and now now that I've got him it just feels like I haven't got time for that kind of stuff I haven't got time to think about what other people think of me I've got a baby now well he's two but I've got somebody to look after and I haven't got space to think about stupid things so Mm. that I love because that's made me just feel so much more confident in myself I used to I still do to an extent but if I heard someone laughing in a crowd I would immediately be like that's about me Mm. I, I must have toilet paper stuck to my shoe or my skirt must be tucked into my knickers you know anything I would just think, oh yeah, they're laughing at me. Um, and now I'm like, look at me, you know, I'm a mum and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm happier. I'm definitely a happier person. And I would never, ever in my life have done a podcast <laughs> before I had him. I'd be like, no, people will judge me too hard. People will say terrible things. I'd be like, why did she have a cesarean? But now I'm like, yeah bring it and I've been doing things like trying to push myself out of my comfort zone and do speeches on stage and you know podcast and those are actually the only two things but I build in my list up as I go but things I would never have done before having him yeah that's amazing and I guess finally if you were to meet somebody who was feeling the way that you were feeling in your pregnancy kind of all the the anxiety and the worries and maybe somebody who does really want to have a cesarean but is feeling too afraid to admit that or to ask for it what what advice would you give somebody or what might you say to somebody I'd say the exact thing that the head midwife told me on the down low which she shouldn't have told me because you know professionally she wasn't allowed but on a one-to-one with an anxious woman she did she did tell me this she said you have every right you know that is all I needed to know you have every right to ask for what you want Mm. and do it do do it with every confidence that makes me upset because if she hadn't told me that I would have done it in a way that you know I would have I would have given birth naturally Mm. not realizing I had um the choice um so thank you to that lady who can't be named because <laughs> she did something that wasn't professional um but yeah I would I would just pass that advice on and say just just do it and I'd also say that if I could go back in time and do it all over again I I would meaning that it, it's definitely not that bad because you would never want to experience something again and I don't mean have a second baby I definitely don't want to do that but I would go back in time and do it all again even though it was uh, horrible in that moment felt horrible the whole thing I, it wasn't that bad and now I'm in a more positive mindset I can see see it for what it is that I was just caught up in the anxiety of it and I was just have you ever seen that photo of um uh, it's a drawing actually it's an illustration of um two people on a bus and the on the left hand side somebody is looking out at a, a wall it's a dark gray wall you know it's um they, they're just going past it and it's a terrible view and the, the person's looking really sad and then on the other side of the bus same bus you've got somebody looking at, out at a sunset and the sea and beautiful scenery and they're smiling. And you just think, wow, they're on the same bus, but they're looking at two different things. And that's kind of, you know, um, a mindset thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Depends what side of the bus you're looking out of. And in that moment, uh, you know, when I was pregnant, I was definitely looking out at the gray wall 
Um, and I realised I had the power, I would have had the power to switch seats on the bus and just look out at the sunset. You do have that power to do it, but it's, when you're caught up in it, it feels hard to do that, to change your own mindset. Um, but now that I'm looking out to the sunshine and everything, I can see it for what it was. And I, I, I realised, you know, it wasn't that bad. You, you got through it. You learned so much. You came out with positives. You came out with your gorgeous baby who you love. You know, at the time, it was hard to feel that love. But it grew and grew and grew. And now, oh, my God, I would die for that kid in a half. <laughs> um, and also, you really stood up for yourself. You, I know it took mm-hmm. a long time for you to be able to admit what you wanted and what you needed for your well-being. But... But you did and you sought out that information and you weren't, you didn't let yourself be coerced. You yeah. found, you found that's really powerful. Like that's really brilliant. Thank you. I love um, listening to this podcast because um, I'm, you know, I'm realizing so many things, not that I'm having another baby ever, but I just, I find it really interesting to learn all the things, you know, that you have got a choice around. I didn't realize that I had a choice to have an elected cesarean and I didn't realize stuff like, you know, that you never had the um, internal examinations, for example. I didn't know that you were allowed to say no to things Mm. like that. So I just find that really interesting, picking up all those, um, those details. I wish this podcast existed when I was pregnant. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But yeah, that's that's basically if I could if I could boil down what I want this whole thing to be into Mm. one nutshell is that I just want people to know that everything is a choice. Yeah. And I feel like that could that could change. You know, if if somebody knows that they don't, you know, there's a big conversation at the moment about um, the induction rates in this country are really, really high. and I just don't think people realise that if someone says, oh, all right, we're going to induce you next week, that you can say, oh, no, thank you. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, you, it, it's, you know, it's no best. Yeah. And um, and I don't think the conversations are happening in a in a kind of informed consent way. Um, from right, what I hear, yeah. it's not kind of all oh, we would like to offer you an induction. And these are the positives and these are the um cons you know and why don't you go away and think about it and then you can let us know your decision because that's informed yeah. consent it's just kind of we've booked you in next week for your induction oh, God. and um I don't I'm not against inductions I, I'm not against any kind of in- interventions when they are necessary or when they are totally informed and you know mm-hmm. it sounded like you made a really good choice for yourself because you knew that was what you needed and that's that's what we should be encouraging is people to make their own decisions so yeah, yeah. I don't think they um they really took into account um mental health at that point either they were taking into account the, the physicality of it but I was I was trying to tell them look I'm in I'm in a terrible place mentally and this is the thing that I think could help me. Um, And I was nervous to say that because, you know, that is in a way putting yourself before your baby, but you've got to be there for your baby. You've got to have, you know, you've got to fill your cup sometimes to be able to to give. Um, And I just felt that was not even considered, you know, that that point wasn't even, um, when I said that to them, it wasn't followed up with, oh, right, um, you know, anything it was just okay moving on so we'll slash our baby's face (laughs) do you know what I mean it just felt like no come on I kind of need to talk about this a bit you think think that that would be an automatic just let's put a pin in this conversation Mm. and why don't we talk about how you're doing emotionally um, Mm. and then we can move on to the conversation about the cesarean let's because ultimately they lead into each other those conversations so yeah. It didn't feel gentle at all. It just felt like, right, come on, let's get this form signed for an induction. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your story because I think, and I'm I'm really, really glad that you feel like you've been able to get a couple of, it sounds like quite big things mm. off your chest and, and that you feel like confident to share those because I really, really do believe that there's going to be somebody out there who is listening to birth stories in in the back of their mind is thinking I feel really frightened to tell somebody that this is what I want and that they're not on their own 
and that it, it yeah. can all it can all be okay well. yeah. yeah and I I am um, I just it, it feels better than a therapist to talk to you <laughs> thank you for letting me get it all off my chest and cry to you I think everybody that, that should have the opportunity to really talk through like everything that happened in their birth just yeah. because it's such a big thing and you don't want to forget all the little things um mm. the good or the bad um and yeah it's so it's just really cathartic I think yeah and like um Deanna who was on your podcast the other day whose story was amazing by the way um I wanted to say like if anyone wants more advice on elected c-sections please feel free to message me you know I'll give you any advice that I can um I'm on Instagram if if anyone wants to message me I'm on Lisa Ebbs 89 um okay. if you have mental health concerns or like worries about your pregnancy want to talk to someone privately because sometimes you don't want to talk to your family and friends as you said you just want a stranger to yeah. vent to um but I'd be happy to hear you know whatever well, you want to get off your chest that's great well I'll, I'll tag you then and it yeah and I totally agree it's just you know your friends and your family they love you and they want to help and they sometimes that means they want to fix things yeah um but sometimes you just need to talk to somebody who is not gonna judge you and not gonna tell you what to do one way or another and sometimes that's all you need so yeah oh thank you so much for like well for your time for your lush comments for all of it um I just love it Um, honestly um, being given this platform feels like wow I, I feel like I'm honoured right now. So thank you so much. Amazing. Huge thank you to Lisa for sharing your experience. I think yours is such a great story for people to listen to when they're thinking about choice. Whatever your choice is, as long as they're made for the right reasons for you and your baby's well-being, you deserve to be supported. I loved your advice too about preparing for feeding as it is often something we just assume will happen without any prior knowledge and then so often things are more complicated than we anticipated. I will tag Lisa in my Instagram post, so if you did want to chat to her about any parts of her story which resonated with you, I know that she would welcome that. I hope you enjoyed listening to Lisa as much as I did. Please do share this episode with anyone you think would benefit from listening, and if you can rate or review the podcast on whatever platform you use, that would be incredible too. You can find me on social media, I'm on Instagram and Facebook under The Real Birth Podcast, and my website where you can submit your birth story is realbirth.co.uk. That's all for this week. Come back next week for the final episode of series one. Bye.